Hi guys, welcome back to Flourish with Ness. I am your host, Ness. If you're new here, hi, welcome. We are back on this lovely Monday, like I said, an actual Monday. Um, and this week we are doing the topic of mental health. But, you know, first things first, we're going to do what I normally do, our loves, hates, and then I'm going to introduce the guests for you. I don't have any updates, but we're just going to go right into the episode today. So today I have a guest. Her name is Madeline Siner. Hi, Madeline. Hello. And she is my topic for mental health. We met at school and we were kind of talking about the podcast and she asked me about if I've done mental health yet. If I haven't done it, she would love to come on. So I thought I'd bring her on. So as like right before we start, something I'm loving, hating and favorite food of the week. And then we'll do Madeline's and we'll get right into the episode. So right now I am absolutely loving. I think I can finally say that I like have a house. So I am loving still the home decor. I'm loving the like process of finding home decor for your actual home. We've rented forever, but I am I'm loving that I can like say I have a home. Um one thing that I am hating is honestly like my lack of motivation for school right now. I would much rather be podcasting, doing social media, and I'm just hating school. Like I don't even know why. I normally love school and I hate school. And my favorite food of the week is Girl Scout cookie Samoas. I have them here. There was a little Girl Scout girl like on campus the other day. So I went and picked them up and I've had two boxes since then. So, and that is mine. So now I'm going to go right into Madeline. All right. So my loves um, of the week, I've been really loving audiobooks. I just like put it on in my headphones and I color or do something with my hands. And I like that double stimulation. Um, and I've been hating situationships and dating apps. Like for real, it's getting <laughs> crazy and I'm over it. <laughs> oh my God. You're speaking for everyone and all of my friends that yeah. I know are in the same boat. Yeah, it's it's rough out there, but that's okay. And <laughs> my food of the week or my favorite food right now is smoothies. I've been having like one or two a day. It's crazy, but I'm like drinking all of my meals. I had protein and all the supplements and I'm just loving that. I love it. I'm sure you feel great too. Yeah. Yeah. You're energized for the day. So Madeline, Mm -hmm. I love that. What, let it, tell us about yourself. What's going on? Who are you? Where are you from? Give us a rundown of who Madeline Steiner is. Okay. Well, I'm Madeline. I, um, I'm 19 years old and I go to USF right now. I'm a sophomore, my second year and I'm, uh, journalism mass communications major it's got a whole long name but yeah (laughs) um yeah I'm from Tallahassee so I've lived in Florida my whole life and that's I do love that a lot like I love the beach and I love yeah the ocean I love animals and I love um just like media social media books movies tv shows music anything that I can consume I'm obsessed with I love it yeah. I love it. I, I would say you're pretty up to the trends. Yeah. <laughs> I like to stay trendy, but not too trendy. <laughs> my own thing some of the time. So, and our topic today is mental health. So like I always do, I'm going to look up that definition for you guys, which I already did. Um, and then I will ask Madeline about her experiences, her journeys, and basically everything that she wants to talk about with mental health. And I'll elaborate too. Um, but the definition of mental health is a person's condition with regard to their psychological and emotional well-being. 
so basically exactly how you feel and how it affects you. Um, I will fully, I'm going to be so transparent right now. I've had the worst mental health day. <laughs> this is like the only <laughs> thing that's been saving me all day. So I'm just really excited that you're here and I'm really glad to have you. But yeah, this was your you so idea. Much. No problem. Absolutely. <laughs> Anytime that you want to come on, like I already said, I definitely want to have you on again. And we haven't mm-hmm. even really started talking, but this was your idea. So tell me some experiences. Tell me why you want to talk about this, your journey. Just go right into it. Okay. Yeah. I made a whole, um, a whole sheet. <laughs> That's <day>. perfect. <laughs> everything ready. But yeah. So I kind of brought it up because some like mental health is something that's like really big in my life. Like whether it's be, if it's good or if it's bad, like it's always just something that's affecting me. So I just, it's important to me. And I figured it's something that I, I would want to share with people. Um, yeah, I've struggled with it for a long time and I just want to share my experience to see if it helps anybody else. I feel like I've recently gotten into a place where I have a different understanding for the things that I've gone through and I think that's really important to share um and I think mental health looks different for everybody so my experience isn't going to be the same and anything that I say might not resonate with some people or it might but you know it's a difference for everybody and I think that's something that we all have to remember um but yeah so basically you want me to just go into my whole story? Yeah, you can go into your story or I can go into mine. But if you go first, I'll start elaborating and see where we go from there. Okay. Um. Yeah, so right around like when I started puberty, like um, early tweens, I just started having really bad anxiety all of the time Um. over stupid stuff. Like I just was anxious about school and I was nervous about I, I was a dancer at the time I'd get nervous to go to practice so I was having kind of some weird social anxiety stuff I I got like scared to go to the mall I was scared to go to the store I would yeah. follow my mom around wouldn't go anywhere without my mom and it kind of developed into this fear um, of just a lot of things I was really scared that I was going to get sick all the time I always thought I was sick I always felt like I was getting sick I thought that I had ate something that was gonna make me sick um I always thought that I was consuming like raw meat or spoiled food okay so just like was very panicked all the time and so my parents were like you should probably try some therapy you know see um what's going on because it's a little unusual for like a 12 year old to be worried about like eating spoiled food and things like that right absolutely you should be worried about like playing outside or if you skin your knee or something like that yeah, yeah. So basically, that's just kind of how things started. And so I did get into therapy for a while. And that's mostly what we covered. Um, just talking about like, why I was scared of things, right. and what was the feeling of the reason I thought I was like going to die and stuff like that. And I mean, this was something that like, I thought about all the time, I, I would stay up for hours in the middle of the night, like 12, 13 years old, stay up till three in the morning because I couldn't stop thinking about like, oh, if I go to sleep right now, I won't wake up in the morning. I thought I was going to die in my sleep all the time too. It was really weird. So, and that kind of, we figured out that it was some OCD going on there. Um, But yeah, so I did a lot of just going, talking with that therapist and exposure therapy and kind of 
overcoming kind of what those fears were. And we kind of figured out like I had a lot of deaths in my family happen within the same year for, for me. So like right when I was 11, I had um, one of my uncles and two of my aunts die. And then I also had had surgery the previous year. So um, we kind of figured out that like a combination of all those things gave me this fear that something bad was going to happen because I experienced it in my life. I experienced, you know, having surgery, which it was, it was a tonsil removal surgery. It wasn't anything serious, but just the process of going to the hospital and things like that. And then, you know, going to three, three, three funerals and having three family members die in the same year um, just kind of sparked that, that fear in me you know yeah so um but that's kind of how things started um and that was right when I well when I first started therapy was right about when I was 13 and so I did start to get better in that sense but it kind of shifted. and right when I was going into high school I started you know worrying less about dying and I just started having more just generalized anxiety about social events and things like that um and I was really nervous. I was a cheerleader at the time and I was really nervous for cheer camp. Um, I told my mom I was going to quit the team. Like I, I didn't want to go. Um, I was nervous about starting school, just all of those things. So I ended up going to my primary care doctor and they started me on Prozac and okay. hydroxyzine to help manage the anxiety. Um, and then hydroxyzine is an as needed medication it's uh, antihistamine so it's very mild it's not um classified in the same category as like a Xanax or something um so it's really mild and that's why they give it to kind of younger teens um but yeah so the hydroxine was working for the anxiety but I just kind of noticed on the Prozac I was I was not feeling better by any sense and I started to get really depressed and I'm not sure if that was a reaction to the medication or the combination of a new environment starting high school, just having, you know, different life experience. But yeah, so around that time, I, um, I started getting really depressed. I didn't go to school. I was like skipping class. I was skipping dance and cheer. I was really tired all the time. Just sad. I mean, more so tired and unmotivated than sad. And I think that's something that people um don't who don't experience depression don't realize um is that it's not always sadness right or so like sometimes it's just like I don't have a reason to get out of bed today I don't feel like doing anything even my favorite activities or hanging out with my friends doesn't sound fun the only thing that sounds like something that I'm able to do right now is to just lay here right um, and it's, it's hard, too, because there's a stigma behind depression, I think. Um, and people don't want to talk about, you know, some of the grosser aspects. But, you know, it's hard to shower. It's hard to brush your teeth. It's hard to brush your hair. And I just kind of fell into that. Like, I, it wasn't extreme. I don't, I didn't have any, like, you know, health issues from, you know, that type of thing. But, you know, just not taking care of myself like I should have and just really tired all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and at that same time, my therapist that I had been going to moved. And so, and it was unexpected. So I did not have time to switch to a new therapist. So I just started seeing this kind of um, 
life counselor that was recommended to me from a therapist that I was on the waiting list for. And she was like, this is somebody who's in my office. She's not um, licensed as a psychologist, but she like can give you counseling until you're able to get in with me. And I admitted some things to her that she, she ended up deciding that she felt like I was a harm to myself at the time. And so she called my parents in for a meeting one day or my mom and she told my mom, you know, the whole situation about how I was feeling and, you know, the things that I was doing to myself and things like that. And um, cause she just felt like I was at a harm to myself and she was worried. Right. So, you know, that kind of sparked my parents thinking, you know, well, maybe the Prozac isn't working like it should, you know, maybe something else is off. You know, we've always thought this was kind of an anxiety thing and it seems like it's a little bit more now. Um, so I got in with a psychiatrist and then I got in with that um, therapist who I was trying to get into, get in with. And the psychiatrist um, switched all my meds up, took me off the Prozac, put me on Trentelix, which is an antidepressant, Deplin, which is a medical grade supplement. And it's basically, it's, L, it's an L-methylfolate supplement, okay. um, which is, it processes um, as serotonin in your body. So it's basically like a serotonin-ish supplement. I'm not a scientist. I don't yeah. know <laughs> right. science behind that, but yeah. Right. So, and then also Abilify, which is a mood stabilizer. And that was for the OCD type thoughts at the time, which it's, it's interesting too, because I always notice that people don't say, oh, you seem like somebody who's anxious or depressed or might struggle with OCD because, and I'm very good at hiding it. And I think that was like a thing with the, the OCD specifically is that people really didn't believe that that was something that I had because I wasn't like counting things or organizing my pencils I mean I'm not a very organized person so if you looked at me you'd be like oh like what do you mean like every, not everything's like clean and shelf but like right I would wash my hands until they would bleed and I had to have hand sanitizer with me all the time and like I would wash my water bottle like 10 times before I could drink out of it so scared that it had something in it and then like that kind of need for control in a sense once the depression came on, kind of developed into um, trying to control what I was eating and my body in a sense. So right. um, I, yeah, so it's a little heavy. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Um, but yeah, so at that time I was self-harming and um, purging and it just ended up like, that's how the, the OCD manifested. It was like a form of control for me. I felt very out of control in my life and I felt very um, unmotivated and like life was pointless. So like as a form of control, yeah, that was how I projected it at the time. So I got in with just my, that therapist and, you know, we worked on those negative things that I was doing and, you know, really worked through that and I was getting better and I was, you know, keeping track of you know, those negative things. And yeah. Um, so like I, what year was this exactly? Yes. Yeah, so I kind of forgot to throw some dates. In here, <laughs> but my 
the original age that I started therapy at for anxiety was 13. Okay. And when I started the Prozac and hydroxyzine from my primary care doctor, that was when I was 14. And then about six months later, after starting those medications was when I was going through the depression and things like that. And then about a year after that, so I was 15, was when I saw the psychiatrist and the new therapist. Okay. Um, yeah. So it was a, like 13, 14, 15 was kind of the ages that this was going on around. Okay. Um, yeah. And so like right around 15, when I was going to see that psychiatrist and getting into therapy, before, you know, things started working, I was failing a class that I was in. And so I had to have a parent teacher meeting. And basically, I had to tell the school everything that was going on and everything, all the medications that I was on, all of the right. things that I was in therapy and all the doctors that I was seeing. And that was really embarrassing for me. I didn't really enjoy having to tell the school of those things. But um, I had to tell them in order to, you know, receive accommodations. Yeah, for- yeah because I was I was missing a lot of class Um, I relate yeah yeah so I did I did get some accommodation from that where I was able to leave class if I was having a panic attack and things like that and they also man like required me to see an on-school counselor which I don't know if this is something that you ever had in your high school but we had something called New Horizons at my school which was a private organization that like paid for a room at the school. So they weren't affiliated with the school and they weren't affiliated with the county. And so that you could have like actual therapy sessions with this person and they weren't allowed to tell the school anything that you said. So um, students could talk about things like, you know, abuse or, you know, drugs, alcohol, things that they wouldn't feel comfortable telling the school and they could tell this person and she was not required or she wasn't allowed. Like she couldn't tell the school any of the things that you right. said for confidentiality reasons. So HIPAA. I was, yeah, I was um, required to see her from the school and I did group therapy sessions and that was really cool. And I thought that was a really, really great resource that we had at my school. Um, I hadn't really heard about it before they told me that I had to go, but it was really helpful and to meet other people going through the same thing. Um, you know, it all, was very helpful and it was during school so I was I got to miss class I got to miss my second period every Tuesday yeah. and Thursday which was the best part for me because we'd right. go in there and we'd play with fidget toys and color and yeah we had different games that were related to mental health like feelings uno which you'd like play uno but you had to talk about your feelings at the same time oh my gosh no I totally know exactly what you're talking about but for context for everyone else you're younger than me so mm-hmm. when I was in high school I don't think mental health was still like of course it was important but it wasn't taken as serious I think as it is as you were when you were in high school even like that young too So when I was in high school and I had my depression, so what happened actually, mine started over a boy, sadly, and then it started to go into other like family issues that I had. And I also like went through funerals and whatnot, but I think it took, um, my mom wrote a note to the school and instead of like the therapist, I didn't get the therapist till later. I had a social worker 
So, Mm -hmm. and we didn't have an actual, like also real therapist on campus. They paid it out, but it was completely different. And actually when I was going through my depression, um, I would also be able just like you to get out of class and I would be able to go if I'm having a pain attack, if I felt overwhelmed or depressed, um, I could leave, except I don't know if you ever felt this way, but if I told a teacher I needed to go see the social worker before I had the therapist outside or in school, people would make fun of me and people would always be like, oh, she's just going to the social worker again. Like she's just trying to get out of class, but nobody actually knew like deep down the feelings or the sadness that I had. And even though I did start from a boy, like depression stays with you, at least to me, like forever. Like I go through depressive episodes even now. So back then, if somebody even like made fun of me, that would be like the one reason I would go to a social worker And it was like, it was a mess. But for me, I would immediately say like, I'm going to the social worker and somebody would make fun of me. And it could be one of my, like my best guy friend was probably the worst until we actually like sat one-on-one, but it was like completely different. So I don't know if you ever felt like it, but I always, it didn't matter who it was. I got made fun of for asking to leave because of those situations in school, Mm -hmm. because it just, it wasn't important then. And also I think when you were in high school too, um that was kind of the rise of the like the mass shootings starting to come up Mm -hmm. and that wasn't happening when I was yeah I was in school from 2017 to 2021 so yeah there was mass shootings were like very prominent when I was going to school and we had a lot of cases at my school of like threats and things like that so we you know had a couple of incidents and we were always practicing lockdowns I mean that was a really scary thing too for young teenagers to be going through Uh, yeah I was just gonna say how did that affect you mentally um I think I wasn't as worried about that at the time um because I felt like I had like a lot of my own stuff going on and so I wasn't it wasn't on like the forefront of my mind but looking back I mean it's it was definitely scary I don't think that people should be afraid to go to school or anything like that I mean Cause there was times like we would have threats and like there was a week that my mom made me and my brother stay home from school because a kid was sending you know threats he posted on his snapchat story with a gun saying i'm gonna go shoot up the school next week um obviously he got expelled and like what legal action was taken but yeah my my parents made me stay home that whole week because he was like i don't know when it's gonna happen right so yeah because that stuff is definitely scary but i was almost normalized at the time like all the students we were going through it together and so we kind of were just like oh it's just another drill it's just another whatever so yeah it's sad but yeah that's just kind of how it got was normalized in a sense yeah Um, so you were in school in 2020 so junior year so I have a question then um Mm -hmm. Based on your journey and what you have kind of told us so far, how did the pandemic, and I'm sure you're over talking about the pandemic, just like everyone else, Mm -hmm. but a lot of people don't, I think it's gotten better since the pandemic, mental health being in the spotlight, but hearing somebody from somebody who was in school with mental health, how do you think that affected you, especially in the prime time of high school? How did that affect your mental health? Um, Actually, during the pandemic, when we were home and stuff, um, and like the years after where it was like, we had hybrid school, some students find somewhere in person. I was doing like the best that I had been doing mentally. All of my real issues came before. And right. I think having the break 
and taking time off like allowed me to heal in a sense like yeah I, I finally felt like I had like was able to catch my breath um I did a lot of activities in high school and I was still active in all of my activities while I was going through all of this so I was yeah. cheerleader a dancer and then I was editor-in-chief of my school's yearbook wow okay um which all of those are big time commitments, especially dance. I dance um, five days a week right. um, for two to three hours every day. And cheer was three times a week for three to four hours. Um, yep. Yep. <laughs> and I did all of those while I was struggling. And that was something that was very hard for me because I wanted to do those things. Those were kind of things that really helped me a lot, but they're mm-hmm. very time consuming and exhausting so it was like this battle of I'm so tired I don't feel like I can go to school today but I I want to go to dance practice but I can't go to dance practice if I don't go to school and if I do the whole entire day I'm going to be so tired and then you right. know I would just get stressed and I'd be like I'm not going to do any of it you know right so but yeah the pandemic um because I had time off from school and I had time off from dance as well and at that point I had quit cheer. Um, I just had kind of an issue with the coaches. It wasn't anything serious, but I just decided I wanted to focus on dance more. It wasn't something that I wanted to continue to do. Right. So having all of those, I just felt like I finally got a break. Like I could catch my breath. I had been struggling um, kind of for so long and always just getting little breaks when you can but then it feels like months and months and months goes and I'm like I can't catch a break and then the pandemic happened and I was like okay yeah I got to like explore things that I was interested in that I hadn't really been able to do before I got that was one of the big times that I got very into music and concerts and things like that yeah um like before the pandemic I I had been to two concerts and I, I did really love music but it wasn't something that I was like super passionate about yet because I right. was so busy <laughs> and then the pandemic hit I felt like I could be creative I felt like I could you know pursue interests and things like that so I think that's a rare case I know that the pandemic um affects a lot of people negatively and I understand why like limited social interaction is hard because humans need social interaction it's something that we crave but for me, just where I was in my life, it was, it was good for me. I felt like it was the first time I got to rest in a yeah. long time. That's, and you definitely have come like such a long way, especially from what you've told me. And mm-hmm. I think how you present yourself, I assume, but I don't want to assume. How are you doing now? Are you doing good? Because I feel like from my outside point of view, I feel like you do pretty well. And you might be doing well, but you could easily be showing me something else. I don't know. You yeah, know? Um, yeah, right now, um, I feel like I'm doing really good. And good. I feel like I've kind of made some discoveries or revelations within myself about just kind of what this whole journey is going to look like. Because so I had that long period of struggling from about 12 to 16. And yeah. then um, just through medication. So I, so I stopped taking the Abilify um, only three months after I started it because I was just having like physical reactions to it. It wasn't, you know, anything, it wasn't worth it. You know, I was um, having like a lot of fatigue from it and stuff. 
Right. So I stopped that, but I stayed on the Trentelis and the Dublin. And I felt like I was getting better through the pandemic and everything. I was slowly starting to get better. Yeah. And around senior year, I was like in a great place. I was having a lot of fun. I was hanging out with my friends. Um, and I was like, okay, I, I've battled this. I've overcome yeah. this. And yes. fine. I'm going to stop taking my meds. I, I was like, I don't think I need these anymore. You know, I'm better. Yeah. And so I stopped taking my meds in um, May of 2021. And I did great all summer long. I was like, this is perfect. I love this. I was traveling. I was hanging out with people. And then I moved here to um, St. Pete and I was super excited. Right. Um, I loved my roommates. We got along great, like within the first week. And I just slowly started to have panic attacks, like more frequently. Like I did not have a panic attack in the whole time from when I was 17 until um, the beginning of the summer. Or okay. So I moved in actually not the beginning of the summer until I moved in in August of 2021. Okay. Um, and so I started having like small panic attacks again. And I didn't really think of it at first because I was like, it's okay. I've been through this before. Like, it's fine. And ar- around October and November, I just started having really bad anxiety again, really bad panic attacks. And I, you know, went home for the break. I talked about it with my parents and then I decided to go back on my meds in January of 2022. Um, I think at the time, it was just a little bit too late. (laughs) Like, I think that I should have, I don't think that I should have ever gone off of them. And I don't think that I should have waited so long to get back on them because I just declined from there. So like January, February, March, April, I was in a bad place. I didn't leave my dorm. I wasn't going to class. I couldn't be in a car. I thought every time I got in a car, I was going to get in a car accident. Um, I didn't like... I couldn't leave my room. Like I was very afraid that I was going to die for any reason if I left my um, my room and my roommates would notice like if I had to go to the grocery store or go get dinner, they would be like, why are you just standing by the door? Yeah. Because I would stand there for 15 minutes and I couldn't make myself leave. Like I couldn't do it. Um, and I started mm. having really bad stomach problems at that time, which... I figured out was from anxiety, which is something that I didn't know, but yeah. um, your stomach and your brain are connected in the sense. Yes. So if your brain starts acting a little bit different, your stomach is going to start acting a little bit different, especially with anxiety. And I know that's a really big thing because there's anxiety induced IBS, which is what I had. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was having really bad stomach problems at the time. Um. Yeah, I, I wasn't able to leave my house. I was having bad break downs. I didn't go to class. But I actually had a situation with my roommate where one of my roommates, Haley, left her, locked her keys in her car at the gas station. And she called me and my other mate, Brenna. And she was like, can you guys come pick me up? Um, or can you bring my keys from the house? She had this extra pair of keys. I'm trying to like remember as we're- Yeah, you're good. She had an extra pair of keys at the house. She said, can you bring these to me? And we were like, sure. And I was like, okay, well, I'm with 
two people that I feel safe with. I'm just going to try to go. And we, I got in my roommate's car and we were driving and we were, she had her blinker on and in the lane to get into the, on the interstate. And I was like, pull over, I'm not going. And she pulled to like a rolling stop. And I literally jumped out of the side of her car. Oh my God. About a mile home in the rain. <laughs> because I was like, I, I had a panic attack yeah. and I'm a flight person when it comes to like fight or flight fight or flight I'm, you're out I'm a flight person so I was like I'm leaving and she was like oh my gosh wait what like you're crazy <laughs> <laughs> you're like no you don't understand what's going in my head right now exactly um yeah so all of that just got really bad and I was like okay I need help again mm-hmm. this isn't really working out I'm not managing myself very good on my own because I had stopped going to therapy for a while um, when I was doing good around 2021. Right. Because I was self-managing fine. So then I was like, I'm, I'm not able to self-manage anymore at this point. So I made an appointment with a psychologist to get like officially tested. Like I wanted to just run through all of the tests for mental health and everything like that. I just wanted to see the real problem because I felt like, throughout the entire time that I've had kind of these issues I've always been like it feels like there's so many things going on like I would get told that it was anxiety I'd get told that I was depressed it was depression and and those are the things that I officially got diagnosed with but at the time I was told a million things I mean they were thinking they were like you know there's possibility for bipolar there's a possibility for all of these different things and I knew what I was feeling, but I didn't know how, I didn't really know if I could trust what right. they were saying, like, if that makes sense. No, totally makes sense. Trust, not that I couldn't trust it, but I just felt like, you know, it's it's been so many different things, so many different times, you know, I've seen, at that point, I had seen three therapists, a uh, life counselor, my primary care doctor, and a psychiatrist all for mental health and they'd all been kind of saying different things right right I'm ready I'm gonna get tested and I contacted a psychologist that I knew and we set aside the time to do full tests it was like three and a half four hours in her office and it was a bunch of like check check um so I was doing um was going to the psychologist to get tested and it was about three hours of testing. Um, and she was a specialist in child psychology and mostly to do with learning disabilities and things like that. But she was a family friend. So I just decided to use her instead, even though that wasn't really like learning disabilities wasn't necessarily what I was struggling with. I just right. um, trusted her advice and like whatever she her expertise and things like that. So I just decided to go to her because I knew she could do a little bit of everything. Did you feel um, like your mental health, sorry, did you, I had like an immediate question. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like your mental health did affect any of your learning disabilities at this point? Or like, not that you had a learning disability, but like, did you feel like it could affect your learning in general? Sorry, I worded that wrong. Yeah. So yeah, at this point, I had no like low learning disabilities or anything like that. Um, but like, I do think that my mental health definitely impacted my education a lot, 
especially okay. when I was very depressed. I was going to class. I mean, I, I failed a class at one point. Or I made a D, but I had to retake it. Um, and I was making cheese where I never made cheese before. So it definitely did affect me a lot. And I always have struggled with um, kind of organization and staying on top of schedules and, and homework and things like that. So being, um, you know, not feeling well in, within my brain obviously didn't help that um, right. with anxiety or depression because depression, I just didn't feel like doing that. I didn't care if I got a bad grade. Like if I right. missed an assignment and got a zero, it didn't matter to me. Like I was whatever, you know, I'm yeah, just no, too busy. I get it. I'm too tired. I don't want to think about this. Right. And then right. the anxiety, I would get so stressed about big assignments and projects. And then I would not be able to focus on them. So I would procrastinate them. Um, and then that led to be, be more stressed. Right. And that was something that I always had done in middle school and high school. I've been a big procrastinator because of anxiety. I would procrastinate assignments because I was nervous about starting them and anxious about doing them. And then the longer I would Gosh. wait, the more it would get. And so oh, it's a very toxic cycle. <laughs> you sound, and I hope this doesn't like any trigger you at all, because mm -hmm. I know I'm in the same boat but the only thing that I know I've ever been diagnosed with is depression. Mm -hmm. And I've always thought that I've had anxiety. And what you are describing seems to be exactly what has been happening to me for the past year. Mm -hmm. So now I'm very interested into finding out what was your official diagnosis. Yeah. So um, it took a while. It took a couple of weeks and I, I went in a couple of times for a few different appointments. And at the time, I was still having a hard time leaving the house, doing anything, very anxious all the time. Yeah. And I'd have a panic attack, multiple panic attacks a day. And I just couldn't do anything. And I am would kind of have this conversation with my friends. And I, I had one friend who's like a little bit of an introvert. And she would always say, if you don't feel like um, going to do things, like you don't have to, if that's how you used to be, it doesn't mean anything about who you are now. If you don't enjoy those things like you used to, that's fine. True. But for me personally, I did. I really, really wanted to do those things. I love going out with my friends, going to the beach, going to the club, um, just doing anything. I love being out of the house. Yeah. So the feeling for me at that time was not that I don't want to do those things. It's that I want to and I can't. Um, it felt like having like a mental block, like something that I really, really wanted and I physically couldn't make my body do it. Um, yeah. And I started to get a little bit depressed from that um, as well because it's like having, I felt like it was having like my life taken away. I had established yeah. this life that I had. I had friends. I was starting a new school. I mean, I was in college for the first time. I was excited about everything. I wanted to go to football games. I wanted to go to the club on Fridays. I wanted to do everything and I couldn't not because I didn't want to but because like my body couldn't would have a physical reaction if I tried to do those things like a panic attack right Which, if anybody's had those they're very uncomfortable yeah um, so through the testing I um I got officially diagnosed with anxiety and ADHD 
which oh, wow. was very surprising to me. And she she did say that, um, you know, she did not like officially diagnose me with depression or OCD because she didn't think that they were active at the time. So she was just diagnosing me with things that I was currently struggling with. But right. she said that those things, you know, I did have right. in the past, but um, she didn't feel like it was important to put on the diagnosis because like it gets messy with insurance and things like that. You don't yeah. want to have a bunch of labels because, you know, you don't want to be labeled. Yeah. yeah. Well, and people like, although it's, it's illegal and things like that, people do discriminate based off of mental health, especially businesses and and like applying for jobs and stuff like that, which absolutely, and my insurance as well, which is big. I don't, I didn't want anything to go up. <laughs> right, right. Um, so yeah, I was very, very surprised to find out that I had ADHD. It was not like it was never something that I'd even considered. I, I would if some if you it like if somebody told me that. I would, I didn't even believe it at first. I was like, no, that's not what's the problem. Like, and it's not the whole problem, but it was definitely part of it. Um, yeah. But looking back, it makes sense. I've always struggled with deadlines, struggled with organization and schedules and um, procrastinating and, and all of those things. But I was in all honors and AP and dual enrollment in high school. So I kind of could, um, like balance it like although I was struggling with the organization kind of my level of intelligence balanced it out so it was not something that anybody really ever noticed like my parents right. or teachers like I never got notes that were like you know can't sit still or disorganizing class things like that because it was like and this is exactly what the psychologist told me there was a level of like the intelligence balancing it out in a way so that I was very good at hiding it right um not consciously, but like I just learned coping mechanisms to kind of hide the obvious signs of it, but those coping mechanisms weren't helping either. Right. Um, which was just like procrastination and then staying up all night and doing my assignment. Um, but yeah, so I was very excited or very surprised with that Surprise. diagnosis. Um, I was expecting that anxiety, um, but the ADHD was kind of me for a loop but I started researching into adult ADHD which because first thing that went to my mind was that I don't jump out of my seat I'm not restless I'm not full of energy and things like that I mean I fidget but I didn't really think about that at the time but um looking into adult ADHD I kind of found out a lot of things I didn't know um which is that kind of when you have ADHD or kind of learning disabilities yeah that you don't know or you're not diagnosed with when you're younger you as an adult you have to make your own coping skills for them because we live in a world that's not created for our minds like you know the right. neurodiversity neurotypical the world is created for a certain type of mind and so when you go so long without a kind of knowing that there is an issue and having help for that issue your your mind as an adult you just make your own coping skills Right. Um, and so it manifests in different ways, which is why you don't realize, or a lot of adults who might have ADHD and they weren't diagnosed as a child don't realize it and it's not as obvious because obviously we're not, adults are not hyperactive the same way that children are, but it is, it manifests in like 
um, organization, scheduling, deadlines, all the things that I struggled with. Um, and so adults who have ADHD just might, you know, not be able to make a deadline because they forget about something or they procrastinate it or they can't keep their schedule um, organized, different stuff like that. You're describing me. Yeah. So it's like, like I can keep myself in a way organized, but just, I've also always, and it's really like, it's almost like you're meant to be talking to me right now because I've always said, and I've always thought I have ADHD, I have anxiety. And I don't mean that as like, you know, people be like, oh, I have anxiety. No, mm-hmm. like I genuinely believe that I think I have anxiety and everything you have described so far, which is why I feel like it was more meant that we were supposed to meet as probably for mm-hmm. me as a sign to like take care of myself and get my shit together is I do everything that you are describing. Yeah. So how do you, what are your coping mechanisms for this? Um, so for like my anxiety, um, just kind of the biggest thing is I have to give myself grace. I know that if I have a panic attack or if I'm anxious about something, um, it's not the end of the world and that I'm going to get better because I did. And in, in 2022, January to about August, I did think it was the end of the world. I was like, I'm not going to get better. This is it for me. You know, it was the worst thing I had experienced and I had already experienced, um, you know, a different issue previously, like with the depression and everything. So, and the second time was worse. So I was like, this is only going to get worse. It's not getting better. I was very hopeless, but you have to remind yourself that things do get better. Right. Um, you have to find things that you enjoy, whether you're anxious or not. So some days I might be more anxious than other days. And I just have to know on those days that my schedule might look a little different. I might not want to go to the beach with my friends, but I can still do something fun at the house with myself. Okay something that makes me feel good my lighting is getting really weird I'm sorry about that (laughs) Um, no you're good um yeah and I recently been um working out more which for me which is I know everybody's like working out helps your mental health and I'm not a big pusher on that at all because I think that everybody's different and I think that you do you but for me when I have pent up emotions and anxiety it manifests very physically in my body and I get shaky and I get um, like I have a hard time breathing and things like that. And so working out um, helps me get rid of that excess energy. So that's helpful. And I, I mean, it sounds weird, but like sometimes going for a run, if you're having a panic attack, it it helps because usually you're having a panic attack because you're getting yourself, you know, riled up and so your body starts having those physical symptoms of that and so burning off energy can help you like tire your body out and be like all right it's not that scary right. anymore I can think about this with a clear head and yeah. my body is calmed down too because it's hard to think about things and calm yourself down when your body's having a reaction like that's a big thing for me now that I'm like on the up side like I'm on my mountain and I'm going up now <laughs> right yeah <laughs> um, which is good yeah so it's um but I still have like some days where I am like my 
I always say that I have two brains. I have the brain that I can control and I have the brain that I can't. And my friends hear me say that all the time because to me, all of my mental health that I've struggled with feels like the brain that I can't control. And it doesn't feel like me as a person. I'm, like when I have these issues, I'm like, this isn't how I would react to things. This isn't how I think about stuff. It's like my brain that I can't control. Yeah. And sometimes the brain that I can control does get sad and it does. I mean, I still have obviously all my normal emotions, mm-hmm. but when it gets to that extreme level of like a serious clinical depression or serious anxiety, it's almost uncontrollable or that's the way I've experienced it. So like, I call that my uncontrolled brain. I have my brain that I control and my brain that I don't. I, I like <laughs> yeah, that. So sometimes my brain that I'm controlling is totally fine and I'm happy Yeah. and I'm excited for the day and I will just start feeling like my heart isn't beating regularly and I'll be like it's weird so like my heart just skips a beat and I start thinking about it I'm like is my heart beating okay and I check my pulse and I have an app on my phone that checks my pulse and I go and I spiral until I have a panic attack over my heart working properly when my brain that I can control wasn't even thinking about that it's like the brain that I can control just totally brought that in so I mean I think too, it's helpful for me to separate those things. Like I think when I kind of came up with that analogy, it's helped me a lot because I feel like who I am, my personality, my things that I love, the things, my friends, all of the things that are important to me, I think are part of my brain that I can control. And I think that makes me feel better when I have thoughts from the brain that I can't control because I know that it's not, not real. So it is real. And we have to acknowledge that, but it's not truly what I want. It might be a real thought, but it's yeah. not a thought that I need to put any weight into. I don't need to, you know, go through with any of the things that my brain that I can't control comes up with. So exactly. that's kind of a way that I think about it that helps me out because, you know, um, yeah, it just helps you kind of think about like not everything that comes into your mind if you're anxious about something, it doesn't mean that you actually have to put weight into that thought like it's just something that pops in there right um but yeah so I for the ADHD I got put on Adderall um beginning of January of 2023 so I've only been on it about a month now but I've noticed a major difference in my school performance and my overall organization and procrastination and all of the things I would always wait till Sunday night to do all my assignments and I get them done throughout the week now. So that's really great. And I've just been able to keep things more organized and get more stuff done throughout the day. Because another thing with ADHD is that, and anxiety, I think that they're very closely related, ADHD and anxiety. And I know the psychologist that I went to, she actually said that she thinks a lot of my anxiety comes from have, have, or having, ADHD. From having untreated, untreated ADHD yeah um because that part of the well I don't want to say that part of the brain because I don't know exactly scientifically I don't mean physically that part of the brain like I mean like you have the two okay. and like I know I want to say one of them affects one of them and I like one side is your creative and one is the other but I don't know the scientifics mm-hmm. but I know what you're trying to say yeah I don't know all the scientifics but yeah I think that having both of those things ADHD and anxiety, they meant like they feed into each other and they manifest into each other, um, which 
was an issue for me. But so the the Adderall has helped me a lot staying organized and and things like that, which has taken a level of anxiety off my plate because I'm not stressed about those things anymore. I'm not stressed about the the deadlines that are piling up. And so um, I think that's been very helpful. And then also just consistently taking the the meds that I'm supposed to be taking, which is the Chintelix and the Deplin. Um, I think that's helped a lot with my anxiety as well. And I don't want to put everything on like psychiatry and pharmaceuticals because I think that it's, right. it's definitely a combination of a lot of things. But I just know when I'm deep in those holes, sometimes I just need something to pull me out before I can start doing the work for myself. And like medication has been something that has helped me in those situations. Um, and talking with um, my current psychiatrist. So after I, I, I went through the testing, I just decided to go to a new psychiatrist. I hadn't seen my old one in a long time. And I kind of um, not necessarily didn't agree with his ideas and things like that, but I think that he was more of, he was more, he had a little bit of a different mindset than I did. He's a very scientific based psychiatrist. Everything that he gave me, he had a chemical reaction that he explained it with and he actually DNA tested me. So I got my cheek swabbed and they sent my, saliva off to the lab and I came back with this like 25 page paper of like all the all of my neuro processing and all the like the pathways that medicine absorbs through my body no way no way yeah yeah so that's actually why he had put me on the deflin which is L-methylfolate supplement which processes serotonin was because he said that in my chart there was some kind of processing issue with serotonin and that I was extremely deficient in the production of it which I personally don't know the credibility of that science that he does because after speaking with different other doctors that's a very new type of science that he's working with um with the DNA testing and the supplements and things like that um and so not every psychiatrist believes that. The one that I see now, she said that she doesn't necessarily practice that. She doesn't think that it's wrong, but she just thinks that maybe some more research will help us figure things out later on. So it's not something yeah. that she like actively does. But um, so I just decided, I don't think that anything that he gave me was wrong. I just wanted to see a psychiatrist that was more talk-based yeah. versus like chemical-based because I didn't talk to my other psychiatrist he did the dna testing and he prescribed me medications based off of what he saw on the chart yeah um and so i just wanted to see somebody to talk with and then prescribe me things based off of that but anyways she kept me on the trintelix and the deflin because those seem to be working and even though they are classified as antidepressants or the trintelix is classified as an antidepressant um it works for my anxiety and i think that's really interesting because medication works differently for everybody and like something that is prescribed for depression happens to work for my anxiety and I think people who are trying out medications for the first time it's very discouraging because you're going to go to your doctor and they're going to say we're going to have it's I mean this is what they told me they said it's trial and error the first thing that we give you is not going to work and 
it might make you worse and it's going to be a long process. And it was a long process because obviously I started on the Prozac and it didn't work for me at all. Um, I personally think that I got worse on the Prozac, but I can't definitively say whether that was strictly from the medicine or if it was just a combination of environment and everything. I have a question on that. Mm -hmm. Sorry. (laughs) When you say like, please interrupt me when you have something important. (laughs) Okay. So question when you say it's a combination of things. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in other than just like mental health of saying we work out or we journal to, you know, for our feelings and make us mentally feel better. I'm a big believer that food is a portion of the combination of those things. Do you know mm-hmm. anything about that? Or do you believe that food could also kind of contribute to your mental health? Um, I think so. Um, I don't know a lot about that personally, but I do think that when you eat foods that are better for your body, your body's going to feel better. And that can give you more motivation. So if you're like teetering on that edge of like feeling like unmotivated, sometimes a diet change might help that because if your body feels better, your brain's going to feel better in a sense. But um, Right, that gut to mind like connection. mm -hmm. But I don't know a lot about that. I do know when it comes to anxiety that the brain and the stomach are connected. And I know that anxiety can cause a lot of intestinal issues. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that probiotics and prebiotics are really good for that. So like when I was having really bad anxiety, I was taking probiotics. Anyway, I was taking some kind of gummy. um, (laughs) And that was helping a lot with my stomach. And I was taking peppermint oil and ashwagandha. Um, ashwagandha and and I had been taking um I don't actually remember I have one of them sitting over here let me say this type of homeopathic medication um okay I got like at the health food store because that time when I was struggling really bad with my anxiety um the most recent time in 2022 I was desperate to try anything because I had been, or I was back on my, my meds, my antidepressants. I have the hydroxyzine, which is an as needed anxiety medication, which I still take. So I was first prescribed that when I was 14 and it's something that I still take. And it's like been my holy grail through everything um, because it's a very mild anxiety medication. Right. And it's actually used for allergic reactions and nausea too. Wow, um, And I've had friends, like I had a friend one time who had really bad hives and went to the doctor and they gave her hydroxyzine for it. So I like joke that it's like my miracle drug, but <laughs> obviously I know that not everything works the same for certain people, but yeah. So that's been like something that's helped for me because it's also not a mind altering medication like a Xanax or something. Um, so you don't get like high from it or you can't like with medication like a Xanax or Klonopin there's like that issue of abuse possibly because you you get like high even if you're experiencing anxiety it does mess with your brain and your perception um the hydroxyzine's not like that so that's why I I prefer taking that one um yeah plus I'm still young I don't think that um at 19 years old I want to have a prescription for a heavy anti-anxiety medication maybe I might need one later on in my life 
And I've talked about that with my psychiatrist as well. I might need one later on. And, but I don't think that it's what I need right now. Maybe Um, like later on in life, but like you, like you said, you are so young that it's just, it wouldn't even, I don't feel like it'd be right right now. And like from, and I have this belief that from 18 to 21, your mind is still growing. So like even mm -hmm. your anxiety and your ADHD from 18 to 21, you're still forming mentally who you are and like just how your mental works. I have a whole belief on it. I plan on writing a paper about it one day, but a follow-up question of you being so young is have you seen Ginny and Georgia season two or Georgia and Ginny? I don't know what the show is actually called. I haven't seen. Dang it. I have a question for you about that, but basically in the show, they talk a lot about depression um, because, Mm -hmm. and spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, just Georgia, no, not Georgia, Ginny, Ginny goes through depression. um, And it's very interesting because when I watched it, almost everything she felt was exactly how I felt. So I was going to ask you if you kind of Mm -hmm. felt the same way, but basically like she would get very, very depressed. And if somebody told her something that like they couldn't do something with her, they didn't want to be with her, her mind would shut down so much that she would cry, run away from basically, you know, all of her problems, just like her mother did. But then instead would kind of turn into like self-harm. Mm-hmm. But it was just very interesting. So I, I wanted to ask you just in case maybe you had or hadn't seen it because I thought it was a perfect description of what depression seems to be, especially in high school and also kind of a mix mm-hmm. of anxiety. Like, however they produced it is perfect. So if you have the time, definitely go and watch season two because especially on mental health, it's it's pretty accurate. Yeah, that definitely sounds like something I would be interested in. And that's that's very, the way you described it, accurate to my situation when I was really depressed and that's um kind of how my reaction would be to things too I would get very upset like I kind of stayed at this like monotone very emotionalist very repressed state all the time yeah um because most of what I was feeling at that time was was bad feelings um and this was like around 15 16 14 when I was very depressed the first time um, yeah, I've like repressed a lot of things and I stayed in this very emotionalist state um, because that's kind of my was my coping mechanism. Um, and if something happened small, I would have this big outburst of emotion and I would I would be like, this is the end of the world. Nothing's going to get better. I would, would cry for hours. I mean, yes. And that's, um, you know, that is part of when the self, self-harm would feed into that um, when I was in that emotionless state, if I didn't have that big release, kind of, um, that's kind of what I would turn to, to feel something. Right, exactly. I was at a time where I didn't really feel like I could feel something. Um, and it was something that I used to feel like I was connected with my emotions um, yeah. because I didn't feel connected to them. I felt disconnected from my emotions at the same time and betrayed by them because right when I would feel them they weren't something that I wanted to feel it was sadness or lack of motivation and so I just wanted to turn it off but when you turn it off enough you feel like you're not a person anymore you feel like a zombie and so that's yeah I would use self-harm as a coping mechanism to relieve that feeling of um zombie-ish kind of um 
Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. That's so kind that of what she did really, in the show. Yeah. That sounds really accurate to what she was doing. And I think it's a control thing as well. Um, yeah. So what do you think has helped you? Yes. Um, so shifting my mindset has what like has helped me the most. Um, so like both times. So the first time when I was very depressed and then the second time when I experienced really extreme anxiety and even before the depression, when I was having that initial anxiety, I always kind of in my mind pictured it as something that I had to get over and get through. And then I yeah. would come out the other side and think I'm done. This is it. Right. I've battled it. I've completed it. And then it comes back again. And it's discouraging because I thought I did this already, you know? Um, yeah. And so I've kind of shifted my mindset to think it's, it's not a battle that I'm trying to get through. It's not something that I'm trying to complete and put into my past. It's something that I'm going to constantly have to be battling. Um, and I think that's something that I've just had to come with terms terms with. And I think that's something that if you have struggle with mental health, it's something you have to come to terms with that it's, you're going to have it your whole life. Right. Like, it's not going to be active your whole life and it's not going to feel the exact same, but right. it's going to affect you in one way or another. So, right. Like I've had depression since high school and I've never, I've never actually been able to turn it off. It's always going to be there. Yeah. Oh, I don't know what just happened. You saw that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. I don't know what happened. I don't um, know what happened, um, but I just basically said, um, like I've had depression since high school and it's like mm-hmm. not something that's ever gone away. I don't think it ever will go away and I can't just mm-hmm. turn it on and off it just kind of happens yeah and there's times when it's worse and there's times when I don't notice it as much um and there's sometimes when I'm doing great for months like months and months months I'm doing great and one thing happens and I think to myself this is something that I could see myself spiraling over right but once I shifted my mind into that idea that it's going to always be there and I don't think that's a bad thing I think that sounds really negative and since oh you're always going to have struggle but I don't think it's a bad thing it's the way my brain works and it's going to work the same way for the rest of my life right um and I'm proud of it I'm just, proud of my brain yeah exactly I'm proud of the way my brain has overcome so many things I'm proud of the way my brain has accomplished so many things um yeah so once you kind of realize that it's gonna it's gonna always kind of be there and sometimes it'll be better sometimes it'll be worse um it makes me kind of put focus on each individual day yeah. You know, I enjoy waking up in the morning because I have a whole new day of things that I get to do. Like, exactly. And when, you, when you feel sad, it's hard to be motivated in that way because you're like, well, what am I supposed to do if I don't feel like doing anything? But I just enjoy the little things like, and I'm also the type of person that feels like I could, I like have FOMO and I feel like I'm always missing out kind of, or that I could be doing something more fun or more productive. And I always just tell myself, if I'm content with what I'm doing right now, then that's all that matters because that's another day that's passed right. that I've been happy, you know? Um, it doesn't have to be extravagant things that bring you joy. Like if making your favorite breakfast is something that makes you happy or hanging out with your friends or laying in the sun. And those are things that I can do at any time. Like exactly, that's not something I have to plan for. I don't have to make a big trip and get a flight to go to this place right. that's gonna make me happy. I can make my fe- favorite breakfast every day of the week if I want to, and that yes. makes me happy. And yes. so I just have learned things are gonna happen to you, 
you might lose your job, you might make a bad grade, you know, you might have family member pass away and those kind of external factors. And you're also gonna have internal factors that affect you. Like you might just experience a depression right? that you don't have reasoning behind. Like you don't exactly. know why it happened. And given all of those things, I mean, those are non-negotiables. Those are gonna happen in right. your life. You have to make the things that you love important and you have to make the time, make the times where you feel yeah. good and you feel happy, memorable. Like I have great memories of just sitting in my living room with my two best friends and they might be boring to some people, but I had a lot of fun at the time. And so I cherish those times. And that makes me excited to move forward in life because I know I'm going to have more of those times, even if it's boring or we're just watching our favorite movie. I look forward to those things and having things to look forward to is really important. And I think that's my going to be my big thing that I end on. I think having things to look forward to is really important and they don't always have to be big events. Like I know sometimes people are like, I I'm looking forward to this concert. It's what's keeping me going or this big trip. That's what's keeping me going. I think it's really important to find things, little things to look forward to going to your favorite coffee shop or walking your dog, like hanging out with your friends. That's a big one. Hanging out with my two best friends. I it's small and it's something that I can do every day, every day. And it's still something that I get excited for. If right. I go to bed at night and think I'm going to get to see Brenna and Haley, you know, tomorrow I get excited right. and I let myself get excited because it's the little things in life that matter. You know, I love that. Yeah. I thought you said that like so perfectly. I don't even think I could have said that so good. <laughs> I love that. So Oh my God. You said that like so good. I have like nothing to add to it. You said that absolutely perfectly. I think that's a perfect note to end it on. I uh, mm-hmm. I have literally nothing to add. You said everything mm-hmm. that I would say. So we're going to get into the final segment of our episode before I thank you for coming on. Um, and we're going to go into the questions. And we have four. I honestly forgot to post it this morning, but I posted it like right before we joined and I still got questions, which is amazing. And they're really good questions from you guys. So I'm going to give my answer and then I will have Madeline give her answer if she has anything to add. Mm-hmm. So the first question that we got is where is the best place to start? Um, I think the first place to start, at least from my end, is recognizing like you your own feelings. Uh, my mental health back really started when I was in high school. So I could easily turn to my parents. So you can turn to a loved one, I think, you know, if you need help. And hopefully they can kind of point you into the right directions, reach out to your doctor and try and see if you can get a referral out. Um, that's really what I honestly would start with first. Cause I don't, when I started, it was different. I haven't had any like adult experience going to get help again. Um, Madeline, what do you, what would you say? Um, yeah, I think it, it really starts with yourself. You have to be willing to admit if there's an right. issue going on. And once you can like say I'm struggling then, you know, probably the next step would be reaching out if it's to some, like your parents or your partner or something like that. And you can kind of bounce that around and decide, you know, do I need to take this a step further? Do I want to see a doctor? Do I want to see a therapist? Which I think that therapy can work for anybody, whether you're struggling or not. I think it's great yeah. to just be able to talk to somebody who's not biased and right. um, kind of out of the situation. So yeah, I think um it's hard to get started and 
asking for help is the hardest part, but start small, start with your parents, start with your, your loved ones. And they can kind of help you to say, you know, this might need to be taken a step further. I might need some help from a doctor or, you know, I might be able to help myself on my own, you know, but realizing that there's a problem is a big step. Yes. Yes. I agree. The next one is if life is crazy, what is one simple mental health thing you always hang on to? For me, it's journaling. And Mm -hmm. um, lately I've been keeping with yoga because I've kind of started to recognize my own stuff, but I have to at least be doing something physical. But my like non-negotiable is journaling. I have to journal Mm -hmm. and I have to put it down on paper. And I think that's the way that I recognize first if there's something going on. And it's, I know that I say it in my podcast a lot, like journal, 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 but I say it because the best thing I think you can do is get your feelings out of your head and somewhere else. Mm -hmm. What about you? Yeah, I agree. I am a big talker. So I talk with my roommates and my best friends um, who are Haley and Brenna. I've mentioned their names, but yeah, I live with them and they're my best friends. And we talk and we have all have different life experiences, but similar feelings. And I think that that really helps. Um, I journal sometimes, but it's a little bit harder for me to stay focused. But like talking with my friends is very helpful because they kind of validate what I'm feeling, but also help me realize that it's like, it's something that I can get through. And prioritizing the things that I love. I mean, that's my biggest hill that I'm going to die on is the small things. Um, When I'm feeling overwhelmed and like stressed, I like to lay outside in the sun. I like to feel the sun on my skin. I like to swim in the ocean. I feel very connected with like nature, which I know is like a little bit whatever. But um, so like the sun, the wind and the water are like things that ground me so if I'm feeling like overwhelmed I go do those things I go feel the sun feel the wind and feel the ocean and it helps me feel connected to the earth which helps me realize that there's a bigger piece to all of this you know I love that I love that and don't say it's like a thing it's it's okay (laughs) it's an acceptable thing (laughs) yeah well I don't don't mean like oh it's a thing but like yeah um (laughs) So the some next... people think that's like hippie-ish, but I don't think oh, so. I think that's why I'm saying like, it's a thing. Like it's totally yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 I think that's something that's not normalized. Like it should be. Should be normalized. Society. We're very corporation, online, social media, like driven world. And I think nature is very important. Obviously we all know nature is important, but I think that it's, healing like right it's not going to like medically heal you and you're not just going to go outside and feel better but I think that it like it's more just a time that allows me to think and also feel connected with something that's not like a job right a corp or a corporation or something like that like we're so technologically advanced that we lose sight of the little things sometimes right yeah I agree. I think like the one thing you can always lose a job or you can always lose something or somebody. But like for me, I love to go to the ocean. And like, Mm -hmm. I know that's right now, it's of course trending. But like for Mm -hmm. me, like I, my thing is the ocean will never leave. The beach will never leave. I've got my wave. Exactly. (laughs) 
love the ocean. That's my thing. Like I say swimming in the ocean because I don't know. Like I jump in the water and I feel better. Like right, <laughs> right. A, a pool doesn't do the same thing for me. Like I don't have that same reaction to a pool. It's very no. specifically the ocean. The ocean for me. Yes. Have and you I tried like the ocean plunge? Mm-mm. Oh my gosh. I, I know that it's like a thing going in the cold water and stuff like that. I don't, I haven't done it regularly, but I did go swimming last weekend and the water was 61 degrees. Oh I was paddle boarding and I fell in on accident. But then once I fell in, I was like, this feels great. Yeah. It was really cold, but I just pushed through because it was I like, I want to do it. I want to do it so bad. And I've asked so many people to do it with me and nobody either can go with me like based on time or doesn't want to go in the cold water. I'm like, I want to try it just like one time, just like once. I yeah. need to know if it works. I'll- I'll go with you. I've been swimming a couple times this year in the Say ocean. Less. It's actually not that cold right now. <laughs> oh my God. We should just run from like our bowls cast one day and just go. Mm-hmm. I would Definitely. love that. I would love that. Okay. So next question. The next question we got was, how do you know when you've reached your limit? How I know that's a, one. that's a really good one. That's really good. Um, so I kind of said earlier that Madeline was saying my stomach is growling. <laughs> oh my God, you probably heard that. Um, Madeline said earlier a lot of things and about anxiety and like the things that she kind of recognized in herself at the time. Um, and for me, it's recognizing those things and it's the putting off my deadlines. I put off a lot of my deadlines. Um, I forget my deadlines easily because I prioritize something else first. I sleep in and I stay up late to like midnight and then I'll wake up like either really early so I get no sleep and I just keep going or I wake up really late and I don't want to leave the house which is odd for me because I want to leave all the time but I'm also so energetic so earlier when you're kind of talking about like running around and just kind of like putting things off I do that um but I know I reach my limit now as an adult after doing all of those things and then I get to the point where I feel stressed and then I have a breakdown because I've held it in for so long. And that's mm-hmm. when I know I've reached my limit. So like, at least for me today, like I said, you are meant to have this conversation with me. I've took on so many things lately and I have been staying up super late. And then I just keep like booking and booking and booking myself. And the freaking lady at UPS this morning made me cry because she couldn't do my notary. But then I also cried because I messed something up on a quiz and it wasn't even that big of a deal. It wasn't that serious. Even though Mm -hmm. like it was partially out of my control and in my control at the same time. And I cried over that. Then I cried because I got an email because somebody couldn't answer something for an interview. So like I'm crying over little things I literally have no control over because I've held my feelings in for so long. So for me, that's when I know I hit my limit. Mm-hmm. I totally agree that it's very similar for me as well um like my big limit um I I have big outbursts of emotion and I have very big meltdowns breakdowns kind of um and that's like been a a thing that's been consistent through whether I've been struggling with depression anxiety like whatever the issue's been that's kind of my reaction to that um so I, I would say, yeah, my limit, if I notice myself breaking down over small issues, like yes. doing that on an assignment, um, you know, it's not the end of the world, but sometimes yes. it feels like it. Yeah. Or sometimes not doing my assignments like I'm supposed to, um, 
slacking in school, slacking in work, all of those things. And I just, I can kind of personally tell when there's something off. And I know that's, it's hard and it's different for each person, but um, right. just kind of, I've been, I don't want to say been in the game, like the mental health. <laughs> no, we, we have I, been in the game. It's okay. I've been in the game since 2014. <laughs> yeah. I'm somebody who has had anxiety since I was young. I mean, yeah. I started having extreme anxiety around 12, but I've had anxiety since I can remember. Um, and receiving help for that very early on, like with medication and therapy, like it's, I, I, I think from what I know that it's unusual for 13 year olds to start like medications right. and stuff like that. So just like being in the the quote game for such a long time right, I've, game. I've kind of um gotten to where I can feel when there's something different going on but I know that's not the case for everybody so I just kind of when I notice that feeling of offness I just start prioritizing myself more yeah you just kind of feel like time. something's different and like you kind of feel like if you have a routine, like I am really picky. I don't know what you like. I'm picky about my morning and my night routine. Like if I don't do my non-negotiables, like it just, something's wrong. Like I always do my routine mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. like my first thing. So I think it's just, you have to recognize once you like first get your help, then you start to recognize things more. Because mm -hmm. I, I agree. It's not to say like we've been in the game, but like we've had to deal with it for so long that we just kind of know. So like yeah. when I was in high school, I was doing the same exact thing and then I would start skipping. And now that I'm older, once I start doing the same exact thing, I know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you are a routine based person or anything, like if you have something that you do every day, like if you're, if you keep your cl room cleaned all the time and your room starts getting really messy, that might yes. be a, a point that you need to check in and say, Hey, am I doing okay? Or if you have never turned in an assignment late before and you start turning in late assignments, you might want right. to say like, am I doing okay right now? You know? Right. So and if it's out of the ordinary for you, that's a good time to check in. That's a good time to, yeah. And a, a clear space is a clear mind. I want to stress that really quick because mm -hmm. if you are living in the environment and it drives your mind crazy, how are you expected to function the next day? Like I know for me, just as you said that, it brings up a really good point. I like my stuff clean. I used to do Sunday resets religiously. Um, and like, yeah, they're like a thing, but they're a thing for a reason. And mm -hmm. I would clean every single day, like, and everything had to be clean or I'd wipe a counter perfectly. And like, I know right now I have wiped my counter for like a day or two. There's a little bit of salt on there. I'm not going to lie, but like I should, I normally, and like, as me, I would do that. And like my nightstand will start to get messy or like my clothes won't make it into the bin. And then I'm just, I'm living in that environment. So I, and you are a creature of your environment. And if I can't mm -hmm. function in that environment myself on my own time, how am I expected to function for other people coming out of that environment? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So the last question that we have is therapy is so expensive, but needed in your opinion, what is a good alternative to help? I think talking to your friends, talking to your family, I am going to preach it, but if you don't even feel like you can talk to somebody else, talk to a journal. I can't talk back. 
but it's they're just as unbiased as a therapist, you know. But a therapist says mm-hmm. it would think I remember when I had a therapist that was nice, was she would kind of side with me, and I don't know if she was supposed to, but she would always kind of side with me because I had a child psychology one as well. Um, when I was in mm-hmm. high school. But what's nice is they can kind of joke with you. And I like that when I was talking to a therapist, they would keep up with my life or like know exactly Mm -hmm. what I'm talking about. And I know there is a site now that's offered that's like not through insurance that you can find a therapist for. I just don't remember what it's called, but I keep getting advertisements for them. Um, And I would just check your resources or check with your insurance. I know for us in school, like we have access to services on campus. So we're kind of lucky, Mm -hmm. but I would definitely journal. I feel like journaling is a really, really good, healthy alternative. What about you? Yeah, I agree. Um, I said this, I think after the first question, but yeah, talking with my friends or people that are close to me that I trust, and this can be different for everybody, but like with my specific friends that I talk about my mental health with I don't have any secrets with them I mean we've shared deep dark stuff and you know so I don't have any secrets so it's easy to talk with them but um I think that like you said journaling is great because um it's non-biased in the same way that the therapist would be because there's you're not getting any like any information back other than what you're putting in sometimes you might talk to a friend and say hey this situation happens and they immediately jump to your side right (laughs) right that boy was in the wrong I can't believe he'd do that to you whatever but like sometimes when you think through your own thoughts um you realize you know maybe I was in the wrong but um right I also think um checking your resources is very important because um you might not think that you have access to uh therapy but it's always good to check your um your work I know some works provide it Um, your school your insurance and like there is online sites that I know offer very low rate or free therapy I don't know the credibility of those sites I've heard some some bad reviews about better help but I'm 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 there might be one out there that is credible so it's worth giving some research if it's something that you're interested in but it doesn't fit your budget um online therapy is worth some research you might be able to find something that works there yeah and absolutely and especially you mentioned a good point about work a lot of people work remote now mm-hmm. too and I know when I scroll TikTok a lot of places started have offered you know uh what is it mental health stipends that they can mm-hmm. spend on mental health or they can take mental health days which I'm fully in support of people taking mental health days by the way mm-hmm. um and I know when I was at my last job, we were offered, like there was a mental health team and there were mental health services. So yeah, definitely check your resources. Don't ignore your resources. Use them. Um, And if not, I always, like I tell you guys, my DMs are open. My inbox is open. Um, Some of you have my number as I've gotten close to some of the listeners. So I'm open if you ever need anything, but that kind Mm -hmm. of wraps up our whole episode. I actually just had one more thought about that about resources and things like that that absolutely might be, um interesting to people um close it out self-help books I think if that's something that you're oh looking my for, gosh. Like, if you're not interested in doing like full-on therapy but you want yes. a little bit of help like a self-help book a self-help podcast yes that's, Hello? that's what we've got going on here yeah <laughs> um, or just like a youtuber that you like um yeah might have some good advice for you I, you have to keep in mind that it's not going to be professional advice but it's human advice and you know 
we're all experiencing being a human. So everybody's yes. got a different take on things. It's important to check right. those things, you know? That skipped my yeah, mind so- just a little bit. I don't even know why I didn't think about that. There's podcasts, there's books, there's mm-hmm. this podcast. We're like, there's so many other <laughs> podcasts out there. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, definitely. I would do that. You hit that right on the... Mm-hmm. I don't know why I didn't think about that. It's going to drive me nuts. Yeah, I would agree. I love like, listening to self-help podcasts and, and books and things like that. Like, It's not going to give you professional, specific advice. You can't talk to them and say, hey, this is my problem. Can you help me out? But like, it's another person experiencing yeah. the world. So you can take advice from that. And like, yes. I think it's helpful. Which is exactly why I do what I do. This is this is why I love doing it. And it makes my heart happy. Even though like we just met, but like hearing that from somebody outside of my point of view, you know, that that makes me feel like I'm doing something right. So mm-hmm. yeah. And yeah. there's a lot of people I listen to that I love. Um, I don't know if you have any podcast recommendations while we're on the topic, but I love listening to Morning Ray. I like listening to the Wellness Cafe. Not your typical um, I also like to listen to Call Her Daddy. Sometimes she throws in some good stuff in there. There is a psychological of your 20s on Spotify, I believe it's called. I really like the 8020 by Lily Caroe. And there's so many out there that you could listen to. So many. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like Anything Goes with Emma Chamberlain. I know that's really oh popular. Oh my gosh. She's yes. very candid about her experience and her YouTube too. Like she doesn't obviously deep dive as much but like I think her YouTube is very comforting because although she's a celebrity and I know that she does fun things on her weekends and I know that right. she, is, she does show things that anybody can do anybody can go for a bike ride and go to their coffee shop so I think that's helpful but yeah I like right. that one um I like the moment podcast by Lexi Hiligo oh my I god love I love her she her TikTok is great. If you are struggling with um food and like feeling like you're worthy of eating and all those things, she's really great about that. Yes. And she's really great about learning how to have fun in your life. I mean, her TikToks look so fun and she's doing stuff that I mean it's it is fun. Not everybody can go on brand deals and things like that. Obviously, I know that right. part is unrealistic, but I think she does do things that are realistic. Like when she goes for her runs in the morning and goes to the beach, those are all things that I could be doing and it looks fun. So it's yeah. Like, inspiration to help she's out. one of my inspos she's like one of my biggest inspos mm-hmm. yeah. yeah same I love yeah, those that. are my probably my self-help recommendations for podcasts I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't get but into I mean, the those true are crime my, those are my self-help saves I love the I love that I didn't even think of those two either but I love list like Emma Chamberlain's moments is probably one of my favorites mm-hmm. I love listening to her but that, that kind of wraps up our whole episode. Thank you for coming mm-hmm. on. I super Thank duper you enjoyed so much for having me. Absolutely. You can come on anytime you have an idea. Just let me know <laughs> because I love it. Yeah. You should definitely go and start your own podcast because you talk so well. And I know everyone else is also going to love you just as much as I do. If you guys want to find Madeline on any of her socials, her Instagram is at Madeline Siner, and then her mm-hmm. TikTok is Mad Love Your Mom, and she is mm-hmm. doing absolutely amazing things out there on both of them. Um, and her TikTok, like I said, it's Mad and then L U V U R Mom. L U V S. There you go. She's got you. So you can <laughs> find that. her there. <laughs> 
but it has been absolutely amazing talking to you. I hope that you guys took something from this. If you didn't, you know, you can always definitely reach out to us if you have a further question or to me, I'm whatever you want to do. Thank you so much for coming on. Seriously. No, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. And, you know, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. So this oh kind gosh. of helped me with that, you know, but um, hopefully I could get to that place one day and then we can just like collab all the time because that would oh be awesome. God. I would love that. <laughs> we'll do that. Well, that was awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, and I will see you guys next week.